African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. warm welcome and uh, you are tuned into African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Zikho Anami, so we're currently on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Now today in the show we'll be taking a closer look on global efforts regarding gender violence. This of course with a focus on the African continent. Now remember that this is in the backdrop of the recently observed UN International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, which also coincides with the global 16 Days of Activism campaign against gender abuse. So quite a mouthful there, but the discussions should get quite interesting today as we've got the experts, we've got psychologists, we've got people that are dealing with this issue on the ground, so it will be quite interesting. But before we get into that, let's get an update from the News Desk with Anne Musa. In the headlines, the International Criminal Court reverses a ruling that allowed Kenya's President Uhuru Kenyatta to attend only parts of his trial. Egyptians continue their protest against a new law restricting demonstrations. And the special representative of the Secretary-General for Children in Armed Conflict, Leila Zarugi, says protecting children should be at the heart of the ongoing DRC dialogue. Good morning. The International Criminal Court has reversed a ruling that allowed Kenya's President Uru Kenyatta to attend only parts of his trial. The ICC now says Kenyatta, as a general rule, must be present in court in The Hague. It says any future requests to be excused from attending parts of his trial will be considered on a case-by-case basis. Kenyatta and his deputy, William Ruto, are charged with crimes against humanity following Kenya's 2007 elections. Kenyatta's spokesperson, Manau Isipisu, says the president has been cooperating with the court. Well, I'm not sure about planning to cooperate. We have cooperated for the last five years, and there hasn't been any indication so far that that, that has changed. But the Kenya has asked the ICC consistently is that the court must be reasonable. Whereas there is the question of, yes, justice has to be seen through and it has to be served, uh, it, the court must recognize that uh, the president and, and the deputy president were elected by the Kenyan people who expect them to govern. 
Hundreds of Egyptians opposed to a new protest law continued with their demonstrations in downtown Cairo despite being dispersed by police three times. The new legislation passed on Sunday bans protests without police without police approval. The demonstrators were also protesting against military tribunals for civilians. Human rights groups have condemned the law as a major blow to freedom in Egypt. Under the law, protests at places of worship are banned and the Interior Ministry has the right to forbid any public meeting of more than 10 people. New clashes between the Libyan army and Islamists have erupted in the eastern city of Benghazi today, wounding several people. On Monday, fighting broke out between special forces and members of the Ansara Sharia, killing at least nine people. Security sources say the new violence started when members of the ANSA threw a grenade at a patrol of special forces. Most countries have closed their consulates in Benghazi and some foreign airlines have stopped flying there. The special representative of the Secretary-General for Children and Armed Conflict, Leila Zaruge, says protecting children should be at the heart of ongoing DRC protests. Zaruge has been on a seven-day visit to the country to assist the situation of children affected by the armed conflict. How the goal was to assist the progress made in the implementation of the action plan signed by the DRC government in 2012 to end the recruitment and use of children by the Congress. Armed forces. South Africans make up 22 of the 100 most influential Africans. A list published by the New African magazine offers a glimpse into the diverse breed of young and established leaders intent on reinventing the face of Africa. Among the 22 South Africans are former President Tabumbeki, former Cabinet Minister Jay Naidu, fashion mogul Precious Mutsipe, economic freedom fighters leader Julius Malema, comedian Trevor Noah and businessman Johan Rupert. Nigeria has the most influential figures with 23. Recapping the top stories, Egyptians continue their protest against a new law restricting demonstrations. New clashes between the Libyan army and Islamists erupt in the eastern city of Benghazi. And the special representative of the Secretary-General for Children and Armed Conflict, Leila Zarugi, says protecting children should be at the heart of the ongoing DRC dialogue. And that's the news. And thank you to Anne Musa for that news update, bringing the time now to six minutes after 11 here on African Dialogue on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Zikon Musa. We're doing this until the top of the hour. And of course, you're more than welcome to interact with us. We do encourage that you do that, especially on subjects such as this one, which, of course, if you have not been affected yourself, you have indirectly been affected because these statistics are quite alarming when it does come to gender abuse globally and, of course, on the continent widely so you can find us on facebook or you can sms us to plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five we're also on twitter you can find us on our handle there which is at channel africa one and you may use the hashtag african dialogue so we can access your thoughts around today's particular subject now the united nations general assembly designated the 25th of november as the international day for the elimination of violence against women now in line with this they did invite government international organizations and NGOs to organize activities designed to raise public awareness around the presence
pressing issues in this regard. This day also then coincides with global 16 days of activism against women abuse, which kick-started on Monday. Now, the aim around all of this is to make a people aware of the negative impact that violence on women and children alike may have on the greater community and, of course, globally. Now, to discuss this, we are joined on the line by Sayid Sadiq, who is the officer in charge of the UN's multi-country office in Johannesburg. Sayed, good morning and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me to Channel Africa. Also on the line, we've got Taban Gaga, who also joined us last week. Now, he's a clinical psychologist. He'll be able to talk to us on that front of things. Uh, Taban, good morning and thank you for joining us as well. Uh, good morning, Zikon, and good morning to your listeners. We also have Grace Wangechi on the line, who is the executive director and a child line member of the Africa Unite Kenya chapter. Grace, good morning. How are you this morning? Grace, are you on the line? Seem to be having some technical glitches there with Grace. She is also going to be joining us, of course, as we talk around this particular issue, which is one which I think will resonate throughout uh, the world globally uh, during this particular month, as, of course, we are observing those 16 days of activism. What we've also done is that we have asked the question whether you think the 16 days of activism campaign holistically has actually been effective in the past years and whether you feel like there's more that needs to be done. We really encourage that you send those questions comments around that particular uh, subject to our SMS line, which is plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Now, Mr. Sadiq, you deal with these issues hands-on on the ground, and you have uh, touched on uh, ev- every part of the continent when it comes to gender issues. Now, it is said that, um, that uh, gender-based violence is largely and strongly linked to HIV AIDS. Now, what is your take on this? And of course, what has your experience been as somebody who works very closely with this particular subject? Mr. Sa- Mr. Sadiq? Thank you very much uh, to you and also to good morning to listeners once again on behalf of United Nations Entity for Gender Equality and the Empowerment of Women. You and women, I present our greetings. It is uh, definitely indeed, as you rightly mentioned, the gender-based violence is very much linked to HIV and AIDS. The statistics and the studies have proven beyond doubt that you know there is a lot of linkage and uh, women are, are being, who are being subjected to gender-based violence are also prone to HIV and AIDS. And there are statistics that are available which also shows that there is a need to prevent violence against women and girls to overcome also the, the growing incidence of HIV AIDS in the country and in the region in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, Mr. Sadiq, just hold that thought for now. I'd like to also acknowledge that we have got Grace on the line. Grace, good morning and thank you for joining us. Grace? Well, Grace does seem to be a little bit distracted at this stage, but she is also on the line and she will be uh, deliberating with us here on African Dialogue as we dig deeper into this issue of gender-based violence on the continent. Now, uh, Mr. Sadiq, as I said, you, I mean, as you were explaining to us um, how the link of HIV and AIDS comes into play when we're talking uh, gender violence. Now, let's look at the statistics. I mean, on the continent specifically, how we know that the statistics is quite alarming, but how serious is the issue and what sort of inroads have been made in terms of uh, uh, curbing this particular problem, which is a global issue. Yeah, thank you very much once again. Approximately 68% of the people infected with HIV worldwide mm. live in sub-Saharan Africa, mm. where the virus disproportionately affects women. 
Gender based violence has been identified as a significant driver of HIV AIDS infections in women in the region. And then the highest rates of HIV and AIDS infections among 15 to 49 year old women occur in southern Africa, particularly in Botswana. Lesotho, Swaziland, and South Africa. Mm. Now, let me bring uh, Tabang in here. And Mr. Sadiq, just hold that thought there. Uh, now, Tabang, as a clinical psychologist, you deal with people on a one-on-one uh, basis. And it is said that uh, often culture and tradition sort of come to play when it comes uh, to um, the scourge of gender violence, particularly um, against women. And it is blamed, rather, for the scourge of abuse. And oftentimes, the sexual and gender-based violence happens under the guise of culture and and tradition what sort of, of of case studies have you had to deal with and do you agree with the sentiments that culture and tradition also plays a vital role tabang yes um i, I think to some degree uh, one finds that the way in which people are raised and the uh, ideas in which the people are raised with uh, for example the the idea of this masculine um, idea masculinity and how men uh, or men are supposed to be in charge, are supposed to be these patriarchal ideas, how men are supposed to be in charge, they are supposed to be fed, and they are supposed to lead in certain uh, ways. Um, you find that then a misunderstanding of those roles, and, and uh, perhaps even through background, that the way in which then men would then uh, interact with their spouses and children um, ends up being in a way that is... Uh, uh, either uh, abusive or uh, in- inconsiderate. Uh, we do in our practices then come across uh, women who have been exposed to um, such ideas. I mean, they, they get the-, the end of the stick where uh, perhaps their spouses are treating them in, the- in-, in a really unfair way because of, I suppose, the way in which the spouse then thinks this is how family is and this is what is done in, in the community and this is the norm. So we do, there are, I'm, I'm not so clear on the statistics, but we do find that there are people who, who suffer because of these ideas that we have regarding men and women and in the way in which they should interact. I'm going to use South Africa as a case study now. I mean, we have uh, what is called Ukutwala here in South Africa, which is something which has got a lot of people up in arms and uh, has also been linked with this uh, sort of uh, violence, you know, against gender, where you see a young woman, which is something which is not just exclusive to South Africa, uh, where a young woman is then uh, married off to an older man and and, and that kind of thing. And the abuse then uh, starts from there. Mr. Sadiq, in your travels and in the work that you have done, what sort of uh, uh, of recommendations or what sort of uh, work have you done, you know, as the UN to sort to sort of sort this issue out, where tradition then plays a part in this abuse that we're talking about? Thank you once again. The societal expectations of men's sexual behavior, as uh, my previous speaker alluded to, including early sexual initiation, multiple sexual partners, risky behavior, and aggression in sexual relationships, uh, puts both men and their partners at risk of HIV and AIDS. And there is also, we are advocating strongly on working with men and also with the faith-based organizations and others uh, who have a greater role to play in advocating and also promoting the women's rights and also protecting women and girls from 
sexual and gender-based violence and HIV and AIDS. Mm. The men have a greater role to play in society as fathers, brothers, husbands and public advocates in both speaking out against violence against women and girls and in defying the destructive stereotypes that serve to normalize the gender equality. So that's where the campaign on 16 days of violence, 16 mm. days of gender-based gender -based violence and also the other campaigns on advocating with all the population to wear orange on the 25th of the every month is also in the right direction. Mm. Well, those are the sentiments there of Sayed Sadiq, who's the officer in charge of the UN multi-country office in Johannesburg, South Africa. Also joining us on the line, we've got clinical psychologist Tabang Taka, as well as Grace Wangechi, who's the executive director, a childline member of the Africa Unite Kenya chapter. Grace, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Yes. Now, Grace, uh, violence against a woman uh, took center stage um, in 2008 when the United Nations uh, Secretary General really became more hands-on and more robust about this uh, particular subject. Now, what have been the programs that uh, have been introduced to which your organization can pinpoint as those that have been able to make a difference? Grace? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're asking about some of the programs which you have done to sort of assist in the problem that we're dealing with when it comes to gender-based violence. Okay. Well, that is Grace Wangechi there. She is the executive director and childline member of the Africa Unite Kenya chapter. With that, I think we're going to move to a short break. We will be back after this. Uh, Sayed, as well as Tabang and Grace, please do stay on the line. We'll carry on our conversation after this. Thank you. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. tuned into African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Zikon so I am joined on the line by Sayed Sadiq, who is the officer in charge of the UN multi-country office in Johannesburg, South Africa, as well as Tabang Tabangaka, who is a clinical psychologist. Now, uh, Mr. Sadiq, last week we were actually discussing, and Tabang did join us in our discussions where we were talking around uh, the involvement of men when it comes to uh, being in solidarity of this fight against against the abuse of women and just gender violence in general. Now, you are somebody who is at the forefront, you know, of uh, tackling these issues ahead on, and you are, of course, a man. Now, let's talk about the participation of men on the continent specifically. Do we see enough of that happening, or do we see the momentum gaining as we go along? Mr. Sadiq? Uh, thank you again. Uh, traditionally and historically, there was a misconception, and it was perceived that Women's rights have to do more with women, and women can work on women's rights. But uh, that concept uh, didn't work until we bring men onto the forefront. Are men in the, as equal partners to work hand in hand with women? This discrimination and also the gender equality cannot be promoted. That's how 
the United Nations jointly with the governments and also with the civil society came with the concept of working with men. And men in the different religious movements and also have a role to play in sending out messages about transformative masculinities and the need to respect women's human rights. So that's mm-hmm. what we are advocating increasingly. And there is increased participation. You can see from the, the recent months in South Africa specifically and also in Johannesburg and other parts of the country, mm-hmm. there are huge movements. Thousands of men came forward to the stadiums and also on the streets to raise their voices and to say that in solidarity with women that you know we are there to protect and we are there and no longer we can face the the stigma and the the incidents being attached with the men so that's where they said enough is enough and men are with women and you know we'll stop this scourge of violence against women and girls and we see the increased participation of men and women coming forward and it's increasing and it's growing and we encourage more and more men to come forward and join hands with the movement. Well what we'll do later on is we will ask you to give us some of those avenues or platforms in which people can get involved and those men who are tuning into the show at this moment who are thinking to themselves they'd also like to get their hands dirty in terms of changing the statistics that we have uh, that are so alarming on the continent specifically Now, let's go to our Facebook page there. I did ask the question, do you think that the 16 days of activism campaign, holistically, the global one, is effective? And a lot of the comments that we're getting are not very optimistic about the particular campaign in itself. We've got messages coming through. This one is from Wilbert Kinnear. He says that we are far from from seeing a difference, and he doesn't believe that it is effective at this stage. Kosi Kumalo, they're saying, of course not not it's all talk and no action and what we have another comment they're saying 16 days out of 365 is really a drop in the bucket so those are the strong sentiments that are coming through from our listeners there on facebook you know as we ask this question whether you think it is effective now tabang i'd like to bring you in here in terms of the psyche if we have uh, such campaigns as this one and you've got people i mean here on our facebook page most of the people are not uh, very optimistic about the campaign in itself what sort of um climate does that create for the campaigns in themselves? If people are not so optimistic about it, do you think the, the attitude also plays a part in terms of, the, of, of us seeing a greater change moving forward? Tabang? Yes, um, I think attitude does have um, a role to play. I mean, it, 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 is, it would be wonderful to have not just 16 days, but 365 days of activism. I think um, one perhaps could look at it differently in mm-hmm. the sense that the 16 days are perhaps like a, a birthday of some sort, but ideally it should be every day. And um, if we could actually bring it to a almost a basic level that mm-hmm. um, uh, we can have large campaigns and, and good movements, but also bring it basically to the family where, where men and women really then shape children and relationships where individuals grow and learn how to relate to authority structures, to relate to uh, one another, to relate to their siblings, and therefore we carry these attitudes and behaviors as we go out and into the workspace, as we nationally and Mm -hmm. internationally, that if we, we can have this activism, in a sense, happening every day in our families, I think we then have perhaps... Uh, more positive attitudes regarding the, the, the 16 days. But I think we have to start somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Ideally, 365, but I think the, 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 this um, 
celebration or this notice that we're sending out, I, I think it's somewhere, it's something to start with. Okay. And I choose to look at it that way. Now, for somebody who's listening out there, maybe they might be asking themselves that, I mean, is it even practical to uh, to begin, you know, to think that we can actually run this globally for 365 days? And I mean, in your line of expertise as a clinical psychologist, what sort of methods for somebody who's listening now and is thinking to themselves, okay, fine, I'd like to have that sort of psychic where I'm really observing this 365 days a year, what sort of methods would you recommend uh, that people sort of uh, start with just to get the basics uh, done so that you really get it into your system, you know, 365 days a year that we are looking at this really pressing issue? Tabang? Yes, um, I think what I would start with is, in fact, just reframing, in fact, the whole process itself, that Mm -hmm. it is not an event. Mm-hmm. but a way of being. And if it is an event and we have to care for 365, I think that is not practical. Mm. But if it's, it's a way of being, if we are then uh, treating women or if we are then have this attitude that creates an environment to respect women, to, to uh, work with women, to try and protect those who are not able to protect themselves, I think uh, that, is, that is a bit more sustainable. That's how I would approach the mm. the psyche of such a event, mm-hmm. but as a way of being. Okay. Well, those are the sentiments of clinical psychologists there, uh, Tabang, saying that the approach should, in essence, be a way of being as opposed to it being a 16-day event, which everybody looks at, observes, and has campaigns around, but also just it being a way of being. And he says in that way, it can be practically a 365-day observation of really the high statistics that we're dealing with here on the continent and, of course, globally. Bring the time now to 25 minutes after. 11 here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Zikonomy, so please do participate. I know that you've also got uh, some sentiments that you'd like to share with us. We've got more comments coming through on our Facebook page there. Find us, Channel Africa, on our Facebook page, or you can simply SMS us to plus 27823325905. Don't forget to tweet us. Our handle is at Channel Africa 1. Sayed and Tabang, please stay on the line. We'll carry on after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Twenty-seven minutes after eleven Central African time here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We are asking you the question here today: Do you think that the sixteen days of activism that we observe globally around a gender violence campaign is effective in any way? We've got comments coming through; they're really flooding in from different people here on Facebook. We've got Sambulo Matebula who says it is well intentioned that that much I can acknowledge. This is what he says, and I quote. 
other than that it does seem quite arbitrary so people are really not optimistic when it comes to these uh, campaigns and I mean Sayed uh, for people like you who really go all out in terms of getting people and gearing them up for such campaigns to really observe some of the work which you deal with 365 days a year which Tabang talks about it being a way of being how does it make you feel to hear people being uh, so unoptimistic around these campaigns thank you very much the 16 days campaign has been used as an organizing strategy by individuals and groups around the world and to give the statistics roughly the since 1991 approximately 1700 organizations in 130 countries have participated in the 16 days campaign mm. Like on Sunday, the government of uh, Republic of South Africa has uh, organized and launched the national campaign on 16 days in uh, northwest province in Mabate, where thousands of people, men, women, the organizations and civil society, they joined and they came forward. And coming to the 365 days, already the government of South Africa has adopted the 365 days campaign to end gender-based violence. So that campaign is also in the Anvil. And last year, on 10th December, the government again launched the Gender-Based Violence Council. Mm. Uh, this council is also mandated and tasked to implement the 365 days uh, campaign of the government of the Republic of South Africa. So in that direction, a number of organizations and a number of individuals are involved. And again, uh, talking from action, that's what the, some of the uh, mm. listeners and the uh, participants are uh, talking about. The government has, uh, specifically the Department of Women, Children and People with Disabilities, mm. has recently changed the campaign's uh, perception from talking to action. Like, for example, when we were in Mabate on Sunday, on the 24th of November, there were not only the talks and also messages, but also the minister and the high delegations, they visited the houses of those victims and survivors who were uh, subjected to violence and uh, sexual abuse. Mm. And they also took up the matter with different uh, and various authorities. And similarly, they also visited the homes uh, which provide shelter to the survivors of violence and uh, took measures towards, you know, how they should be effective. So this is also getting into action and this is also seeing more results. And also you may have noted from the reports about the recent uh, arrest, uh, prosecution, arrest and sentencing of the uh, the rapists. For mm-hmm. example, the Mulungisa Mashali, the so-called birthday rapist, was sentenced to 39 lifetimes for mm-hmm. 39 mm-hmm. rapes and an additional 212 years on more than 70 charges of sexual assault. Mr. Sadi, let me stop you right there and just ask, I mean, you're using um, South Africa as a case study now and just mentioning some of the campaigns that have been successful in your view around this particular campaign in itself. Let's look at the rest of the continent. Do we have similar efforts that are being made, you know, throughout the continent and are they as effective as you feel that uh, the South African situation has been so far? So far, there are, uh, in, uh, as you mentioned earlier, about the launch of the the Secretary General's Unite campaign, which was launched officially earlier, mm. and you know now it's been spreading in countries. Uh, 21 countries so far have adopted the Secretary General's Unite campaign to end violence against women and girls. Mm. And the recent being Addis Ababa, the Ethiopia, on the 25th of November 2013, the Ethiopia became the 21st country to have launched the campaign in African region, African mm. continent. So that's where the campaign is receiving increased importance and also significance. Mm-hmm. And there are so many men, women and children and youth, they are coming forward to join the campaign in their own ways. Like they went on to climb the Mount Kilimanjaro in 2012. 
and uh, 18 riders uh, from South Africa, they travelled on bikes to nine mm -hmm. countries advocating, specifically men, advocating so against gender-based violence. So, so there is a lot of evidence, a lot of movement yes. is happening. That are being made around this. Well, that is Sayed Sadiq, who's the officer in charge of the UN multi-country office in Johannesburg, but he has worked all over the continent, so he's able to really give us quite a broader view of the issue that we are discussing here today. Now, just a few months ago, um, most women uh, who bore the brunt of abuse uh, were lesbians, including those um, in uh, homosexual relationships. Now, I've got on the line Johan Meyer, who is the health manager at Art, which is an organization uh, for lesbian, uh, bisexual and transgender community. It serves that particular community. Johan, good morning and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Now, Johan, when we talk about the scourge, you know, of the, the rising uh, numbers that uh, we have seen alarmingly on the continent around the abuse of women in general, and of course yes. now more specifically the lesbian uh, community, can you talk us around uh, that and what is it that really leads to that in your experience and of course as somebody who deals with this in an organization on the ground? All right, yes. Um, as you already said, that the numbers are on the rise, mm. and we see quite a number of incidents happening, and, and most recently also. Um, for instance, we had an incident of a mother who came in with her two daughters, the mother being gay, and um, basically they just decided to come to our offices from Mpulanga um, because they already fled um, a situation in Polokwane where she had been raped and also physically attacked. Mm. And there was basically four incidents over a long period of time. It was reported to the police, but nothing had been done so mm. far. Mm. And they fled to Mpumalanga, and there they also experienced intimidation uh, by police and so mm. on. So they basically came to our offices for help. Now, um, Johan, we've been asking people on our uh, fan page there on Facebook around uh, the effectiveness of the 16 days of activism against gender violence. Now, yes. when we talk about the 16 days of activism and its effectiveness, what does it mean to the lesbian community, you know, when we are observing the 16 days? And do you, in your view, see it as effective, particularly for the uh, gay and lesbian community? You're asking what, what does it mean to the lesbian community? Yeah. Mm. I think it means quite a lot to just give air to the whole situation and create awareness around that um, so that people can become aware of what they are experiencing and uh, um, the, the hardship that they are going through mm. um, because basically they live in fear all the time. So mm. I think it is very significant that there's something like this um, that the general public can also become aware of what's going on. Mm. Now, Tabang, when we talk about um, the, the lesbians and the numbers that have been rising in terms of the abuse towards them and even, you know, some of the killings that we've noted um, across the continent and specifically here in South Africa, let's yes. touch on the issue of, of, of tolerance. And, Johan, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. I'm going to speak to Tabang, who's a clinical psychologist, just to get no a problem. sense from him in terms of, I mean, the tolerance levels uh, that we have because here you've got somebody who is a woman and who is, of course, being being violated because they are a woman and then an added extra of them being violated because of their sexual orientation. Let's just yes. unpack that a bit, uh, Tabang. Yes, um, so the the idea of tolerating people, I, I, I also take in a sense issue with that, but I would, I would think that respect is, is, is 
something we should aim for, though that we do not, uh, if, if somebody does not necessarily agree with the other person or uh, somebody's sexual orientation, uh, that we should have, to some level, some sort of respect uh, and, and, and not, uh, in a sense, tolerate, because when we, when we discuss issues around tolerance mm. and um, when people also don't understand, uh, it is found that when people don't understand the other, that when people don't take the time to actually um, assert and actually understand what, where other people come from, where other people live and what other people think, that people tend to sometimes attack that which is different mm-hmm. from them. So I would, I would rather suggest that somehow we, we speak about respect, that mm-hmm. even though there is, when one does not understand or necessarily agree, but one is able to then respect the mm-hmm. other or what, what one finds different mm-hmm. um, from one. Now, Mr. Sadiq, in terms of the work that you have done, I mean, uh, the issue of homosexuality on the continent and just globally is one which is, is, is quite a pressing one. I mean, there have been quite a number of incidents where we have had some really shocking stories when it comes to the gay and lesbian community. Now, when we talk about the 16 days of activism and when it comes to the uh, lesbian uh, killings and what Tabang talks about respect as opposed to tolerance, what, what inroads or what sort of methods have you used to deal with that particular uh, problem? We have been advocating uh, strongly on the mm. equality and also the promotion of uh, human rights of both men mm. and women and their right to practice uh, the, the, the sex of their choices. Mm. Uh, and that's where we have been advocating. And we also condemned it with the strongest terms uh, jointly with uh, our partners and uh, the Department of Women, Children and People with Disabilities uh, during the recent incidents that took place. Uh, we undertook uh, visits to those places where uh, the incidents allegedly happened, uh, where the persons who are practicing have been allegedly killed and uh, abused. So we were there and uh, we, we went on to the media and also to, to public to condemn and also to advocate with them to maintain tolerance and also to adopt and promote human rights of all. Mm-hmm. That's where the 16 days global campaign again comes in. That's where we have uh, during the 16 days, the 25th is uh, very much important which mm-hmm. talks about internationally the violence against women and then 1st December is uh, World AIDS Day wherein we are going to have a big and huge events uh, globally as well as in South Africa mm-hmm. wherein again this issue will be discussed and also will be raising awareness among the population and then again the 3rd December again the persons with disabilities are very key and you know they are also discriminated a lot and uh, we need to promote their rights that's mm-hmm. where that also comes in and then 10th December which again is a World Human Rights Day so this 16 days of global campaign mm-hmm. against gender violence is very key and instrumental in promoting the rights of uh, LGBTI global and specifically in South Africa. Well, that is Sayed Sadiq, officer in charge of UN multi-country office in Johannesburg, talking specifically now around the issue of homosexuality and the abuse of lesbians, which has been on the rise on the continent and particularly in South Africa. We've also joined, we are also joined on the line rather by Johan Meyer, who is the health manager at the at Out, which is an organization that serves the lesbian, bisexual, and transgender community, among others. Also on the line, we've got Tabang Gaga, who is a clinical psychologist. Now, gentlemen, please do stay on the line. We're going to be wrapping up our conversation after this. Thank you.
This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Tuned into African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Almost 15 minutes to the hour, and you know that means we don't have much time left in terms of our discussion here. But we are, of course, talking around all things gender violence um, on the, uh, the globally and, of course, on the continent, specifically looking at the statistics there, which are quite alarming. Uh, we've been chatting to Sayyid Sadiq, Zadik, Tabangaka, as well as Johan Mayer around these particular issues. Of course, each one of them having been expertise or dealing with these issues in their own right on the ground. Now, Johan, before the break, I mean, we were dealing with the issue of lesbians as an added, you know, uh, issue that we are dealing with here when it comes to gender violence or violence against uh, women themselves. Now, as we wrap up, I mean, we'd like to know what sort of counselling or work do you then do as an organisation with people who have been um, affected by this sort of abuse, as you also told us earlier on about one of the um, experiences which you have had with one of the abused people. What sort of counselling can people get from you as we wrap up very briefly? Johan? All right, thank you very much. Um, What we are currently busy with is uh, we are busy with a hate crimes program in Mm -hmm. South Africa under the banner of Love Not Hate, Mm -hmm. and we are working in collaboration with five other LGBTI organisations throughout the country. Mm two in KZN, one in the Western Cape, and two in Johannesburg as well. So we, as we launched this program on the 1st of October, and we already developed quite a number of documents that we can use to report and assist mm-hmm. um, incidents and, and the victims of hate crimes. Mm-hmm. Well, um, mm-hmm. And we are also represented on national level on, uh, with the Department of Justice on their national task team, their rapid response team, and so forth. Well, that is... We are busy mm. with quite a number of activities at the moment, and we are giving it a lot of our time. Mm. Well, that is Johan Meyer, Health Manager at ART, which is an organization that caters for the lesbian, bisexual and transgender community, among others. Tabang, as a psychologist, I mean, what sort of um, assistance can you then give to those people who have been abused and those who are the abuser um, at the end of the day as we talk around the 16 days of activism? Because more than anything, I think what uh, Mr. Sadiq was really highlighting was more action as opposed to talk, which is something thing which came through from the comments on our Facebook page as well. So what is it that you as a psychologist, for somebody who's listening now, who's thinking to themselves, I've never thought of going to a psychologist or, or whatever, what is it that you can, uh, you can help with in terms of this, uh, this scourge that we are discussing here today? Tabang? Yes, uh, thank you for the question. I think the first thing that uh, a person like myself would do, so what I would do is then just help them, the individual, for somebody who's been through such a situation, help them then understand what it is that is happening to them because mm-hmm. abuse is quite a traumatic thing. And we, uh, the, the, whatever experiences they, they are experiencing, we help the individual then understand uh, what usually happens to the person, mm. and uh, which is also coupled with information, because information then helps us give um, 
helps us make better decisions and therefore then helping the post the person process uh whatever they are going to and then prepare them then into how to go forth and therefore plan for perhaps mm-hmm. future circumstances and how to perhaps deal more effectively with what has happened to them. So mm-hmm. it's, it's essentially taking care of the trauma and then planning uh, in terms of the future. And then yes. uh, also I would say that also then dealing with um, not just the people who experience the abuse but the abusers themselves, I think, mm-hmm. The thing I would want to share there is that if we could somehow have a context where people find effective ways uh, for communicating about what they are struggling with, I think we'd have a long way mm. uh, in, in terms of dealing with with, with the problem in its, uh, in its entirety. Well, that is the sentiment of clinical psychologists there, Tabankaga, talking about their being um, support or rather them dealing uh, not only with the abused but also the abuser to fight uh, the scourge of gender violence. Now, Mr. Sadiq, as we wrap up very briefly, um, in terms of people who would really like to get to know some of the work that you do and also thinking of participating in some of the campaigns that you are part of. Where can people find out about that and get all the information? Mr. Sadiq? Thank you very much. Uh, we have a specific uh, site uh, mm-hmm. meant for the Ending Violence Against Women and also the Secretary General's Unite campaign. They can visit uh, www.unwomen.org wherein they can reach the UN Women site wherein it will guide us, guide the audience to the websites of the Unite campaign. And also we, as UN family, is committed to working with the government uh, mm-hmm. and the civil society and other stakeholders. And also we give the opportunity to the listeners uh, to approach us in uh, South Africa also. And we are available and our offices are located in Sunninghill. And uh, we also call upon every South African to stand up and speak out against mm-hmm. gender-based violence. Violence against women and children is a violation of human rights and we call for its eradication without reservation, equivocation or delay. Well, that's uh, the closing remarks there from Sayyid uh, Sadiq, who is the officer in charge of the the UN multi-country office in Johannesburg. Just before that, we had Tabanklaga, a clinical psychologist, and also joining us, Johan Meyer, the health manager at Out, an organization which serves the lesbian, bisexual, and transgender community. And I think, if anything, our program today is definitely testament to that men are really getting their hands down and dirty when when it does come to this uh, uh, violence against women because most of our guests here on the line were indeed men. We'd like to thank you very much for joining us and the clarity that you've been able to give us and, of course, those recommendations that you have put through uh, for this 16 Days of Activism campaign, which is observed globally. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you very once much. again and good day. Thank, Thank you very you much. And, right. and with that, it is time for us to check what's happening with our economics with Tabiso Lihuko. Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe has attracted an international criticism again following his move to block foreigners from engaging in informal trade. Secretary in the Economic Empowerment Development, George Mogusongwe, has recently told Parliament that informal trade is now reserved for the local blacks at a time when the Western nations believed Mugabe was softening on the black empowerment law by appointing a liberal minister. 
The latest move has attracted criticism from Chinese and Nigerian immigrants in Zimbabwe. Simon Muchemo reports. In his statement, Magosongwe said retail and wholesale business, hairdressing, beauty saloons, bakers, employment agencies, agriculture, transport, estate agencies, and advertising agencies are amongst the sectors now reserved for black indigenous Zimbabweans. Foreign-owned restaurants not serving local food will not be affected, Magosongwe said. Owners of businesses without indigenization compliance certificates face a fine or imprisonment if they are still operating by January. Turkish mobile company Turkcell says it has opened a lawsuit in South Africa against rival telecoms company MTN Group seeking damages for losses that Turkcell says it had incurred. Turkcell filed a $4.2 billion lawsuit in Washington, U.S. last year, alleging the Johannesburg-based company used a bribery to win a mobile license in Iran that was first awarded to Turkcell. It dropped the case in May, citing a recent U.S. Supreme Court ruling that hurt its case. Ghanaian President Dramani John Mahama says Ghana and the rest of the West African sub-region will benefit a lot from the signing of a Memorandum of Understanding on Electricity between South Africa and Ghana. Three agreements on earth services, transport and electricity were signed on the first day of President Jacob Zuma's state visit to Ghana yesterday. Ghana experienced an electricity crisis earlier this year. Mahama says the signing of this agreement will help power many countries in West Africa. I believe that trade and investment amongst ourselves is the way to go. Currently, comparatively, trade amongst African countries remains quite marginal, while trade with external partners in other continents is much higher. And so we have to work together to see how we can push the integration project forward. I know that South Africa is doing a good deal in the SADC region to achieve this, and I believe that the experiences that you guys have in the SADC, we should share in ECOWAS. ECOWAS is the oldest sub-regional block, but I guess in terms of realizing a free trade zone, we are much more behind than other sub-regional groupings. Madagascar Oil, which began producing oil in May for its own steam generators, aims to have a plan approved next year to allow it to begin the country's first commercial sales. The island off Africa's east coast is part of a new scramble for hydrocarbons in the region, which has included significant gas fines off the coasts of Tanzania and Mozambique. Madagascar Oil uses a steam injection methods to attract and extract crude from its island or rather inland operations in a remote western section of the island. Much of the oil will be used in Madagascar for power generation. France's Total will drill an exploration well off the coast of South Africa next year in a new phase of exploration also targeting Kenya and Côte d'Ivoire. Total is aiming for a production target of 3 million barrels of oil day a day by 2017, with the deep water production in Africa as a key driver. Africa accounts for approximately a third of the group's hydrocarbon production. Total also supplies about 15% of the continent's downstream market, some 14 million tons of petroleum products a year. 
Financial indicators at this hour. The US dollar trades at 10 South African rands at 8.47. Botswana Pulas, 5.45 Zambian Guajas. It's also trading at 0.61 British pound at 0.73 euro. Gold, $1,245. Platinum, $1,377 an ounce. Brent crude, $112.07 a barrel. Economics update. Thank you, Tabi. So time for us now to check what's happening in the sporting field with Figile Lingwati. In our sports update this hour, we are about to begin with cricket, but uh, let's start off with uh, football now, where the much-anticipated GOTV Sikafa Senior Challenge Cup gets underway this afternoon in Nairobi, Kenya, and hosts Kenya face-off with Ethiopia in the first match at the Nyayo National Stadium, while Sudan are up against Zanzibar in the second match. Channel Africa's Francis Mutegi is in Nairobi, Kenya, and filed this report. Ethiopia arrived in the country yesterday and I had little time to acclimatize but the 2005 champions will be confident going into this game given their recent fine form that saw them qualify to the Africa Cup of Nations in South Sudan, the only team from the region to do so and were also the only side from the Sekafa block to reach the playoff stages of the qualifiers to the 2014 World Cup where they were eliminated by African champions Nigeria. In last year's competition in Uganda, in which a makeshift Kenya side reached the finals, they beat Ethiopia 2-1 and route to the finals, where they lost to Uganda 2-1. James Nandwa, the man who was the head coach then, says Ethiopia are beatable despite their good record in the recent past. Ethiopia ranked 95th in the world, 23 places above Kenya, and will not be pushovers despite the fact their coach, Senwet Bishaw, has brought a relatively different team from the one that played Nigeria in the 2014 World Cup qualifiers. And Ghana beat Burkina Faso 2-1 to top Group A and progress to the final of the GOTV West African Football Union. Godfrey Saka put Ghana in front, but goalkeeper Gabore Mohamed equalized when he beat his opposing number, Stephen Adams, in the goal for Ghana from the penalty spot. Ghana skipper Yahaya Mohammed ensured Ghana's victory when he headed in a cross to restore their lead and secure victory. Ghana finished the group campaign on six points, one point ahead of Benin, who drew two all with Sierra Leone in other group fixture played at the Len Clay Stadium in Obuasi. And in Marathon, the South Africa's Comrades Marathon registration for 2014 is drawing to a close. The registration started on the 1st of September and will close on the 30th of November or until the first 18,000 entries are received. The ultramarathon is the world's oldest and largest run over a distance of approximately 90 kilometers between Peter Marisbeck and Durban in the Guazul Natal province here in South Africa. The newly appointed Comrades Marathon chairperson McDonald Chinja says with only 185 days to the race, everything is in place. We immediately, the, the comrades of any year finishes, we start with the planning for the next one. And the preparations are well underway. Um, we are almost, you know, putting everything together. We will be ready come the 2nd of June. Here's Chinja's thoughts on his appointment as the new chairperson. 
I think it's not really a new era per se. Um, you will know that I've been involved with Comrades for quite some time. And it was just a natural progression of my involvement with Comrades uh, to, to now be at, 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 at the helm of the organization. I think we, we're going to emphasize what Comrades has always done, being to try and produce the best ultramarathon in the race, in the world. And secondly, I think we are now going towards uh, the era of trying to commercialize uh, Comrades and ensuring that uh, the sponsors, people who are sponsoring the event, get as much value out of the event uh, as they are able to. Because uh, an investment in Comrades is quite a huge investment and we want people to realize that investment through our, our, our event, so to speak. That's a sport news this hour. Thank you, Figile Fix Lingwati, there for that sports update, bringing us to the end of this installment of African Dialogue. Please continue to send us those questions and those comments on our Facebook page, on Twitter. Our handle there is at Channel Africa One, or you can simply use our SMS line, which is plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. For me, Zikonami, so it's adios for now until tomorrow. And of course, be fitting to our topic today as we were talking around gender uh, violence. And, of course, curbing uh, the violence that we see across the globe on women. We are ending the show with a tune titled Women Got a Right to Be by Utada Ukaifas Semenya. Enjoy this one.
Basa kelika, basi bele telizuka. Nani abispata? Doni pani abisis. Yekumbuluguti na pade kwa wali bali. Kanti nati abatu bisis. Sikumbuluguti na pani kwe. 